welcome to the Jack and Cam Show. My name is Jack Gregory, and I'm joined by my best friend and fantasy football guru, Cam Kinsman. How you doing, buddy? Doing fantastic, Jack. Just had the NFL draft. Very excited to get down to business, talk some football. You know, like, let's let's dive right in, man. Yeah, definitely. I feel like a kid who's got, you know, a birthday that's right around Christmas and my birthday say it's before my birthday just came and that was the draft you know you you get so hyped for it you get excited you're you're trying to figure out what you got and then christmas is like right around the corner and that's our rookie drafts so like that's even true. Though all the very, excitement very of the actual nfl draft has come and gone and it was awesome the rookie drafts are right around the corner and it's that sweet spot for dynasty leagues we're just like it is a great time to be into fantasy football great time to be alive you know that's right exactly um, so yeah absolutely you know fi- we finally have some answers you know we spent months and months and months thinking on the possibilities of what could be and now we finally have like these set answers about what this rookie class is and you know we have adp data you know we're about to get into some more adp ourselves with this mock that we're gonna do so like we we it's all starting to clear up you know we're kind of seeing what's going to happen next year it's very exciting yeah it's 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 really cool to see you know all these prospects we've been looking at for for years some of them and even a little bit for the last few months as as we've come up to the draft see what their draft capital was their landing spots and a lot more clarity to it now and like you alluded to on today's show we're going to be going through a two round super flex rookie mock draft so we're going to be going through 24 picks and we're just going to go back and forth, Cameron and I, just to go through kind of our strategy for what we're looking at at each pick, as well as who we would select given the board. So you ready to get started? I am, in fact, ready. All right, let's get after it. You, sir, are going to be first with the odd-numbered pick. So on the 1-1, what is your mindset and who are you taking? So in my mindset, and I think for a large majority, probably not the entire majority of the fantasy football space this pick to me is pretty obvious if you want to you know use this pick and that's Brees hall i think if you are a true rebuilding team in the sense that your roster was bad enough and you didn't have any injuries and you you earned this 101 i would probably be looking to maybe pick up like the 105 and a 23 first or like maybe even like the 104 or 106 and a 23 first if i could get it and if I couldn't get that, I would just take Brees Hall and see if maybe I could, you know, wait till the season starts. And if he kills it, I'd probably keep him. And if he doesn't, or, you know, if you want to flip him in training camp and try to trade him out, like, that's also an option. But I think for me, the obvious picker is Brees Hall. He's being taken in the second round of startups. I think that that is the only pick that people should make here at the 101, in my opinion. Well, I think that that is the wrong opinion. But oh, no. I respect your opinion. I am less rigid on Brees Hall. He is my 1-1, one, one, so had I had that pick, I agree with you. But I think it's very close between him and, you know, there's, I think, a couple of guys that I would consider at the 1-1. One, one, and I'm going to take one of them here at the 1-2. And that's Kenneth Walker. Oh, uh, okay. Back. He ends up in Seattle. And just to talk through this pick a little bit, you know, with Kenneth Walker, what he was able to do at Michigan State, I mean, he was the nation's best running back, 1,600 yards efficiency he ran for over six yards a carry and a lot of people are i think neck and neck with Brees Hall and, and and kenneth walker before the draft and when i look at 
draft capital, you know, Brees Hall goes in the fourth pick of the second round. Kenneth Walker goes ninth pick of the second round. So very similar. And when I'm looking at offenses, you know, a lot of times you got to think about these things in terms of not what the offense is now, but what it will be. And I think when I think about Seattle, we know that they established the run. I mean, they did it so much so that an all pro quarterback wanted out because he was sick of them running the damn ball. And so we know that Pete Carroll is going to establish the run. And if we look at their running backs as they are currently constructed with Chris Carson and with Rashad Penny, Carson has one year left on his deal. He's aging and he's been very banged up throughout his career. So it's very likely that he's gone next year. Penny had something of a breakout last year, but then again, it seems like he's made with paper and he's constantly injured and his deal also ends after this year. So this reminds me a lot of the Javante Williams last year when he landed in Denver and they had Melvin Gordon there, but Melvin Gordon had a year left on his deal. Now we just found out that Melvin Gordon resigned, but I think that um, when you look at Penny and you look at Carson, I think Kenneth Walker will slowly become the go-to back in this offense. You know, I think he's that talented. He's, he's a very, very good runner, very good vision very good athlete. I think he'll slowly take over that job, very similarly to how Javante slowly took over that job. And then next year, he'll come in as as the one in an offense that wants to ground and pound. They're going to give him that 20 to 25 touches. And I don't think those touches are guaranteed for Brees Hall. Um, I, I think Brees Hall is, like I said, he's my 1-1, but I don't think it's an obvious 1-1. So what, what do you think about that? I see your points a lot of things, and I have no problem with you taking Kenneth Walker here. I don't think it would be my pick every time but if i had multiple one twos i probably would take a share of kenneth walker just in case he did break out to me kenneth walker i think a lot of people made this cop kenneth walker especially in seattle where i think they i think their running backs total had a tar- like a total target share of like 50 targets last year so there's going to be basically zero you know zero elite fantasy ceiling for him in terms of being a three down back because they just don't really have they don't use three down backs like that they don't really pass the running back on third down. So what you're looking at at the most with Kenneth Walker is Nick Chubb. But Nick Chubb not on um, Cleveland, which is an ex- was an extremely efficient offense with Kevin Stefanski when he was there. So for me, like I like Kenneth Walker's talent, you know, you know, all the measurables, um, breakout age, early declare. But for me, I think Brees Hall in the situation he is in, I mean, he caught a lot of passes in college, you know, very consistent three down back and maybe Michael Carter eats in some of that three down workload in New York. But I think that I would trust the three down workload of Brees Hall over Kenneth Walker. And yes, Seattle did did bring back um, Rashad Penny and they have Chris Carson. I think Chris Carson's medical concerns um, to me kind of outlie him. I think he might honestly be done with football from what I've heard. It's it's very possible, very scary neck injury for him. Hope he's doing okay. Um, Rashad Penny does have first round draft capital with that team and they did bring him back. So until I see it halfway through this year and see who has the majority of the workload in Seattle, I'm not completely sold on Kenneth Walker at the one Oh two, but I don't, I, I think it's a fine pick, but for me, that's where the separation between Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker comes in. I got you. Yeah. I think it's just as a matter of your opinion of the talent in the offense, you know, I, I more, invested i think seattle will have a better rushing attack than the new york jets with you know them trying to establish zach wilson surrounding with pass catchers some of which we'll get to soon i imagine but I, uh, I definitely get where you're coming from and like i mentioned Brees hall is probably my one one i just think it, it's a little bit closer than maybe the obvious one one that uh that you alluded to but who are, let's see you got 
on the clock at 1-3. Both running backs are off the board. So 1-3, if I was in this position, um, I would take Drake London nine or 10 times out of 10, I think, actually. Maybe if you have multiple 1-3s, you want to diversify your share of assets. That's the only thing I can understand. But for me, he got the draft capital, you know, big frame, true X receiver, love the talent. You know, he was taken as the first wide receiver off the board, and I think he's walking into probably 110, probably plus targets if he stays healthy in Atlanta. Really, the only competition they have for targets is Kyle Pitch, which is big competition. But I think defenses are probably going to key in on him. And yes, it's Marcus Marietta throwing the ball this year, but, you know, situations change year to year. So I trust Atlanta to either address the quarterback position, maybe through free agency next year, through the draft next year. And I think that with the type of receiver that Drake London is, even if they have subpar quarterback play, as long as he's getting targets, which I think he will in Atlanta, I think he'll succeed and I think he'll be a very good player. And look at you speaking in so many absolutes. Like, ah, oh, Drake London <laughs> at everyone three. Like, no well, one saying, else is if even I had, in consideration. I, if I, for me, I mean, we've already talked about this. But like, Drake London, to me, is, like, my favorite of these receivers. And I think sure. that you like him. Uh, I think you've told me you like him the, as your favorite of these receivers. So the only way I would want someone else over Drake London is if I want to diversify my shares. And if he's gone, I'll be happy with the next best receiver on my board. But I personally like Drake London over these receivers here. Yeah. I get what you mean. Drake London is my wide receiver one in this class. Um, but again, like with these guys, they were all drafted in a block. You know, it was, it was 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, or, uh, you know, 16, 18. 16, 18, yeah. Yeah. Was just, that 18? It, yeah, it was 18. Yeah, uh, it was, uh, Burks was 18. So they're all just, I mean, it's a coin flip for me. With all very similar landing spots with questions at quarterback and generally not a lot of competition for i think all of these guys you know looking at the top receivers drake london garrett wilson Traylon burks chris olave jameson williams i feel like you can't really go wrong with any of them so if if you know listeners who you have a preference on a guy you know you really love jameson williams you really love drake london to me they're all similar value but the pick that you made is the pick i would make so i totally get where you're coming from just with the big body, the draft capital going in that top 10 and the lack of competition in Atlanta with, with the projection that their quarterback situation should get better. I'm with you. I'm on the clock at one four and I'm going to go with uh, something of a bit of a surprise to some. Um, you probably won't think it's a surprise because you and I have talked about this player a lot and I'm going to take Jamison Williams. I mm. am a big Jamison Williams fan. I think his combination of of speed and size you know he's he's 6'1 almost 6'2 he's extremely fast we saw that at Alabama and him just torching DBs and you know one of the things that I, I when I, I look at college receivers that I want to see and it's and by the way this isn't a dig at Drake London at all he got plenty of separation even though he is 6'5 he is not just a big body contested catch guy so I, I, I really like Drake London but Williams just the separation he would get was elite. It reminded me a lot of, and I, this is an easy comp just because they went to the same school, but Devontae Smith, where you would watch him and it's like, you just blink and they're wide open. It's like, well, how do he do it? And they win in different ways, but it's that same mentality of, you know, the, the TV camera is, is on the quarterback ball goes up and it's like, wait, why are there no DBs covering the wide receiver one on the team? That seems stupid. And it's like, you, you watch the replay and you're like, Oh, he just torched him. And um, I think people, you know, going into the pre-draft process, or I should say going into before the, the national championship, uh, Williams was the clear wide receiver one in this draft class before the ACL tear. And reports are coming out that 
he should be ready for rookie training camp, which to me is huge news. Uh, the fact that he can get to gel with his quarterback, he can get that offseason, even if it's a limited offseason and he's still rehabbing as he goes through it. Just the fact that he's not going to redshirt this year like some people anticipated. Um, I love the talent, the landing spot. You know, they have DJ Chark on a one-year deal. I think if you draft, if you trade up and draft a receiver at 12, DJ Chark is not going to outproduce him, at least not in the long term. And they have Amon Ross St. Brown, who everyone, you know, loves, including myself. Big fan, but you know, he's a fourth-round receiver. He's not going to be the alpha on a, on a team with Jamison Williams. So I think he steps in, and from day one, as soon as he's healthy, he's wide receiver one on that team. And again, very similar to the Atlanta it's a projection of an improved offense. I think next year, I think Detroit and Atlanta are fighting it out for the worst team in football. And I think that probably both of them will get massive QB upgrades next offseason. So I think for both of these picks, you're going to be looking at an increase in value as, you know, next offseason, as well as I think that they're going to be able to produce. So what are, what are your thoughts on Jamison Williams here at the 1-4? I am a big fan of Jamison Williams. I think that I... I don't think the pick is wrong because according to you and I think according to a lot of people, this group of receivers that went from like, you know, pick eight, pick 10, pick 11, pick 13, pick 16, pick 18, like they're all on one block. I think most people are a little bit lower on Jahan Dotson, which we'll get to later. But Jamison Williams definitely has elite, elite upside. The only question marks with him are why couldn't he get on the field earlier at Ohio State? And well, two other players from this uh from this draft, from this class, were uh, the leaders in the receiver room there. So I imagine it's hard. And then the guy behind them was uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, again, is another absolute stub. We'll be talking about him next year. So I definitely like the pick in terms of upside. I think that Garrett Wilson probably is a little bit of a safer floor. But Jamison Williams is an absolute stub when it comes to speed. I think that there is probably going to be a clear role for him in Detroit, and he has the draft capital. So I think it's a good pick. Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, Garrett Wilson is probably the safer pick, like you mentioned. But does anyone want to watch the New York Jets? I mean, that just sounds like torture. I mean, you don't have to watch the games to play <laughs> fantasy if you really want to do that. <laughs> All right, you're on the clock at the 1-5. Where are you looking here? Well, I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite because I just talked about Garrett Wilson, but I'm actually going to take the upside guy myself. I'm going to take Traylon Burks, who was picked with pick 18, went to the Tennessee Titans, who they traded A.J. Brown for. So I don't... It would be, to me, best case scenario if Traylon Burks is A.J. Brown. I think that's very, very unlikely. However, the only other person that receiver room of note to me is um, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods. And then I think they signed Austin Hooper as well. And even though they run the ball a ton, the way that Traylon Burks was used at Arkansas is kind of like almost a larger Debo Samuel in that offense. I think they're going to take some of that and they're going to kind of put it into their own offense this year. And he's a big, he's a big, fast body. He's faster than his four four combine time. Like if you watch his tape, like he he never gets caught from behind. So I don't know if he was hurt or what happened. Or lots of guys who have succeeded in the NFL who are really fast have run four four or four five five. I remember Keenan Allen was one of those guys. So I yeah. I really do think the upside with Burks, especially in the situation he landed in, where I don't see a lot of competition for targets, is really immense. So that's why I would pick him at one five over Garrett Wilson here. Yeah, and you got to remember that, you know, play speed and 40 speed are very different. You know, he's a big guy, so the pads don't slow him down much, whereas you see some of the slimmer guys, they can get a little bit slowed down by the pads. And that's why you see running backs who, you know, never get caught from behind, even by the fastest DBs and safeties who are big. They maybe run a 4-6-40. It doesn't necessarily mean that their play speed is low. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. 
Um, that's a that it's it's funny that you you talk about Traylon Burks as um you know versus Garrett Wilson. I feel like it's the same conversation about Williams. I feel like Burks is a very boomer bust pick, but when it, if it booms and you can get that AJ Brown, man, that is that is going to be really fun to watch. And I do hope it works out for him. But I did just, I did mention that at the start of my pick. I did yeah. say that. So it's you're, it's you're right. He, he's a more of a he's definitely more of a volatile pick. You know, if you want to talk about the potential to be a a um, fantasy week to week starter versus like a fantasy stud. So like a top 24 guy, I think the more it's more likely that he either is like out of the league or a stud. I, I think it's probably less likely. He's just a week to week guy. And I think that's probably the same case with Jamison Williams, whereas Garrett Wilson, I don't really see f- basically being out of the league. I basically see him being like at least a week to week starter for you in fantasy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when I'm looking at the one six here, I am going to take, um, again, this might be, I'm not going to say a hot take. It's going to be like a mild pepper take. Oh, right? my goodness. But I'm going to oh take Chris God. Olave. I, and sorry, you know this, sorry, I, sorry. Oh, my goodness. I've been a big fan of Chris Olave throughout the pre-draft process. I think he has the best route running of this class. Uh, you know, he's able to produce extremely well at Ohio State. He is fairly young, you know, not, hasn't hit 22 yet. Uh, his next gen stats were the best in the class. And I, there's some concerns about the size, but I still think that, again, when you look at things that translate to the next level, separation is one of the things that almost always translates. And he had excellent separation when he played for. Ohio State, and he lands in New Orleans, a situation that I think is really beneficial because they have a coaching staff that has shown an ability to produce elite offenses. And even though that they no longer have Drew Brees working with Jameis Winston, I still believe in that coaching staff to get the most out of Olave. And with Mike Michael Thomas' uh, injury concerns and aging, I feel like he could be the one in you know sooner rather than later. And I trust that offense a heck of a lot more than I trust the Jets offense. And so if I'm coin flipping between the two, between Olave and Wilson, I'm going to land, that coin's going to land on Olave for me, just because I trust that offense. And I, when I'm picking in mid first, I probably need a guy who's not going to, you know, who I can bank on for, for a while. And I, I believe in the New Orleans offense more than I believe in the Jets. So I, I know that you don't agree with that pick. But, uh, no, tell me what you think but about that. I don't I don't hate the pick. I just don't agree with it. My only problem with your with your take on that is that we haven't seen this New Orleans offense without Sean Payton. So, like, yes, obviously, Sean will probably still have an impact on that on that offense, on that coaching staff, on that offensive room and all the guys in there. However, he's still not he's not the coach there anymore. So until I see that offense without him function the same way, I'm not completely trusting that offense at the same as I would pre sean payton leaving does that make sense yeah that's fair so like i if you're saying new orleans without um sean payton or to me a better prospect in garrett wilson then i would probably go garrett wilson here however chris olave is a very polished prospect i think he's like a plug and play starter in the nfl and i think that the potential for him to basically be a wide receiver two or literally top three four wide receiver three Right, like that part of wide receiver three for the, his whole career is probably close to like 80, 90 percent. Like, I don't think that he's going to bust out in the NFL. He'll find a role like wherever he is, regardless. And the Saints receiver room is basically empty. Like, if Michael Carter's not playing, like he's the no, he's the number one. They'll use him however they want. Like, they have no other weapons, especially if Kamara is out, right? Because we still don't know what his legal situation is. So, I don't think the pick is bad. I would just have picked 
the person I'm about to pick with my pick. <laughs> yeah, I think we all know who that is since you've talked about him a bit, a bunch. But uh, yeah. So my at pick seven, I have the 107 in one of my dynasty leagues, and if Garrett Wilson was here for me at 107, I would probably jump out of my chair. Like Garrett Wilson is our again. All these guys are arguably wide receiver one to a lot of people. Like it's very like up and down. A lot of people kind of have him in this big jumble. To me, Garrett Wilson is probably in the top three, right, for receivers. Garrett Wilson I mean, is an elite separator, elite body control, and the New York Jets offense probably is not an elite offense right now, but I think the organization is making a lot of right move to surround Zach Wilson with enough talent and protection to try to get into the next category of offense, whether that be jumping from, like, in the low 20s into, like, the, the teens. Like, whatever jump that would be, I think Garrett Wilson will have a big part of that. And like I said about Chris Olave, how I think that his bus rate is really low. I think Garrett Wilson's bus rate is also really low. I think that he will probably be, you know, if Corey Davis is the X on that offense, Garrett Wilson will probably be the Z on that offense, or maybe it'll be flipped around. I don't know exactly how they're going to use him, but Elijah, I do love Elijah Moore in that New York, New York Jets offense as well. However, I think there's probably enough targets to go between the three of them his rookie year and Leading forward, we don't know what the situation in New York will be, but I, I trust the talent of Garrett Wilson here at the 107, and I'm, I'd be ecstatic to have him here. Yeah, I get where you're coming from, and Garrett Wilson is a very, very good talent, um, and getting him at the 107 is the absolute latest that you're going to get him in any draft, for sure. But the, my concern with, with this is, you know, they invested heavy draft capital last year in Elijah Moore, taking him at, I think, pick 38, early second round. Yep. Um, they have they gave a lot of money to Corey Davis. And so while I don't think Corey Davis will be the one, I think Garrett Wilson probably will be the one. Um, you, you got a, a slot receiver who has been invested in and a big body outside receiver who's been invested in. Now you got Garrett Wilson. And like you mentioned, at 1-1, they just drafted Brees Hall. Michael Carter is still there. They're both going to demand touches, and I just don't foresee an offense that was bottom five, bottom ten. I don't have it right in front of me, but I know one of the worst offenses in football. In order to support five fantasy-relevant players, and maybe four if you want to be pessimistic about Michael Carter's future, um, four fantasy-relevant players, you know, there's very few offenses in the NFL that can support four. And so I just have a hard time thinking that, you know, I think his floor as an NFL player is high. I think his floor as a fantasy asset is not quite as high just because, you know, if if he struggles out the gate and Corey Davis establishes himself as the the alpha X receiver and he's not the slot guy either and Brace Hall is getting, you know, 20 carries a game and suddenly, you know, those touches start to go away. And if it hits, it's going to look really good. If Zach Wilson takes a step forward, it's going to look really good. And that's why I still absolutely say that he's in this this tier this kind of block of receivers um, because he's an elite talent. But I just, that's kind of the reasoning why I would lean Olave over him, but I get where you're coming from for sure. I mean, he's, he's a really great talent. There's a reason he was taken at 10 and that you can't go wrong with any of these guys, to be honest. Like, I think if you get any of these five receivers, uh, you're, you're doing all right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, it's again, drafts are a crapshoot fantasy drafts are a crapshoot. No one's going to know what's going to happen to these players get in those rooms. But we both like the the odds of most of these guys, like the majority of these receivers, this group of five hitting at least in some way in fantasy. Yeah. And, you know, history tells us that probably two of these guys won't make it. They won't turn out. They won't uh, boom. 
and that's okay. We just I, I couldn't tell you which ones are going to be right. The two. It's, they it's, seem uh, solid. No, no one can tell you with certainty. It's impossible. But. Exactly. It's not like the year where the Eagles took Rager over Justin Jefferson, and everyone knew it was a bad pick. All five uh, of these guys are good picks. So to be fair, not the Eagles didn't think that was a bad pick. <laughs> well, they should have. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> I'm on the clock at one eight, and I'm gonna stop the slide. This is a super flex draft. I'm gonna take Kenny Pickett, and uh, you know he's. Good draft capital, not great. He goes in the first round at 20. The Steelers were able to sit and wait and take their number one quarterback of the class. Uh, Big Ben just retired. They did sign Mitch Trubisky to a two-year contract in the offseason, but the last year is non-guaranteed. Or the second year is non-guaranteed. So he's only got one year on, on the books. It's a pretty cheap deal. I could honestly see Pickett you know, coming in. It's going to be an open competition. I could see him winning that job, and he's the guy day one, or I could see him sitting a year learning. I mean, it's a very stable organization, one of the best coaches in football, if not the best offensive uh, coach in football. You know, I think that's up for debate. And generally, when we look at quarterbacks being drafted, those that go to stable organizations that bring in a guy, they have a plan for him, they know how to develop him. Those are the ones that usually end up, you know, coming good. The problem here is that Pickett just has limited upside with his physical traits. You know, he's not doesn't have the strongest arm he's not a huge runner um he's not a statue by any means but he's not malik willis level runner when we're looking at prospects so i think this is about right for where he should go so my question to you say you're a quarterback needy team what is the earliest you would consider taking Uh, you know i saw i saw a mock earlier today where pickett was one three and I guess if I was a if I was a quarterback needy team, I would trade my one eight pick and try to get a quarterback. <laughs> um, so you're not taking Pickett at all. No, I I want I would take actually I mean one three. I'm sorry. I oh, would want okay, Pickett okay. at one eight. I'm sorry. Pickett at one eight for me in this draft is is actually fine. I think for me okay. there is a a massive tier break after pick eight in this draft. If you want to make the argument for. Sky Moore, Christian Watson, James Cook, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson at nine. Whichever person you like at nine, if you'd like to extend that one slot over, I'll be I'll live with it, right? But I think that in this rookie draft, you really want one of these top eight picks. And after that, I think that it's it's gonna get real messy real fast. And you know he means that because he has pick nine in our rookie draft. I do mean that. <laughs> I I do mean that. So like that pick nine is like it's fine. You get your pick of like the that second tier of receivers. And I have this pick. So so this is probably the player I'm gonna take, and that would be Sky Moore in Kansas City. PFF grades definitely aren't everything, but PFF had Sky Moore as a first round grade receiver. He had really good college production at um I believe his school is still a power five conference school, right? No, he was Western or no, he was Western Michigan. That's right. Anyways, Western Michigan. He used an early declare. He played outside. He didn't play like he even though he's a little bit smaller, he's not, you know, he's he's still played outside primarily in that offense. He was basically their entire offense with the amount of production he had. And he's going to an elite offense in Kansas City where their wide receiver room is not settled. Yes, they have Juju Smith uh Juju Smith Schuster. Yes, they have um, Marcus Valdez Scantling, and yes, they have Nicole Hardman. It's very possible that I don't know if it happens right away, but at least partway through the year, Skymore carves himself out a role, and then as the year progresses, he carves he carves himself out 
more of a role in that offense. A second round pick for a receiver is still very valuable. I mean, Elijah Moore, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, those were all second round picks. I mean, I'm not listing the ones that were bad, obviously, but uh, like, um, who's the Seattle receiver? The Tutu Atwell. Oh my goodness. What a waste of a second round pick. Anyways. We got a 2-2 out well in this class. Uh, it's going to oh, be thanks, one for sure. Thanks to good old Bill taking Tyquan Thornton. We'll talk about Tyquan. I don't think we will. He's not making my top not. 24. Anyway, I think I think for me, if you want to take George Pickens here, because he's also extremely talented, really good pedigree um, coming out of Georgia, I'm fine with that. But for me, I would probably take Sky Moore here just because of the elite offense season and the possibility that he carves himself out a role early. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement. I think, while I do think Sky Moore is detached from the tier we just talked about, that 1-8, I think he is the clear 1-9, uh, which, you know, I've been very apprehensive to say things like that um, on, on here because I do think that there's similar value in a lot of these, these tier breaks. But, you know, the landing spot, the pre-draft analysis, a lot of people had Sky Moore as their wide receiver 6, wide receiver 7, uh, probably 7 after Jahan Dotson, but we'll get to Jahan Dotson in a second. Um, and so, you know, you mix talent with draft capital with going to the best passing offense in football with an opportunity to produce, you know, they lose Tyreek Hill. I think all of it aligns for, for a solid pick. I'm on the clock here at 110 and I'm between two players. And so I'm probably just going to, I'm going to talk it through. Um, Christian no, Watson. Talk it out. Tell me your process. We'll talk Tell it me out. what you're thinking. I'm thinking Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of Green Bay, who I don't believe in as a prospect, but. Good draft capital goes to Green Bay where they need wide receiver help right now. If he was a quarterback, we would call him Toolsy. Toolsy, exactly. He put up 800 yards at North Dakota State. If I'm expected to, you know, produce in the NFL, especially my rookie year, which you would assume Green Bay wants him to do, I would hope that I could put up more than 800 yards at North Dakota State. Usually you see those guys come out of those FCS schools and they're – putting up you know 1500 yard seasons where they're just lighting it on fire he didn't do that so it's nope. a little bit confusing but then he tests at the combine and he just blows everything out of the water i mean testing kills it that absolutely kills it. one of the best seen. one of the best ras scores which is um i believe i forget what the r is but it's basically an athletic testing score that puts all your numbers in and spits out a number and i think his was like pretty close to 10 which is perfect yeah, I mean it was insane. He ran a four three two. He's six foot four. He's two hundred eight pounds, so he's not small. He uh, also, according to this, apparently he did well on the Wonderlook test, so that's something. Um, his speed score was one nineteen point nine, which that speed score caps at one twenty. So, like you were saying, just ridiculous testing numbers. And so he, and then he lands in a great situation. So that is where I'm going to go with the pick, but I'm going to talk through who else I was considering just because I think a lot of people on the clock at 110 are going to go through this. Jahan Dotson. He was a receiver that I liked more than Christian Watson pre-draft. Uh, significantly more, to be honest. You know, I didn't think he was quite in that group with the Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave bunch, but he was right below it. Really good production at um, Penn State. He's young. Uh, his dominator score extremely high. He did really well, but Washington, ugh, just yeah. don't insanely, it's a bad insanely awful. I mean, it's I mean, we don't know what situations are like year to year. It's very possible Scary Terry, like you know, gets traded in a year or two, or maybe the quarterback situation drastically improves. But right now, that that uh, offense is yucky. So. 
It's yucky, and he projects as a slot exclusive receiver. So you're looking at a slot guy in a bad offense. I think I gotta go with the upside of a Christian Watson when it's available. Like Dotson's not, not a bad pick, but the upside of Christian Watson is there, even if maybe his production in college wasn't any, you know, left a lot to be desired. I think you still gotta go with the upside here at at the 110. So that puts you up yeah, at the 111. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think so. The guy at 111. Uh, well, I want to talk about. Well, I'll talk about Christian Washington for a second. I think that's a, a fine pick. I, I think that again, we all have problems, a little bit of problems with prospects after the first tier of receivers. Everyone has their nicks and dings. It gets not as shiny. I mean, Christian Watson, extremely athletic, right? Problem is, is that he, I think he was a red shirt senior at North Dakota State University, so he's he's not a young buck, right? He's coming in. Packers have good history with their second round rookie picks, but I don't think he's going to get caught up to speed right away. We'll see. And he's got maybe two or three years of Aaron Rodgers, and we don't know what's going to happen after that. So I I think the upside of Christian Watson here is huge, right? If you get a 6'4 guy who can run 4-3 and blow by defenders, and that hits in the NFL, that is insane. That is, you know, top five receiver, like everything you want. The problem is, is that his fail rate to me is really high. Yeah. But I, I think when you get to the back end of the first in this draft, I think you probably do want to swing for the fences. So I think that that pick for me is probably, it's going to be either Christian Watson or the pick I have now, which is to me, George Pickens. Oh, George Pickens. So yeah, Dotson pick is George... consideration for you here. I think, I mean, I think Dotson would probably be like the 112 for me. But for me, George Pickens should have been a first round talent. I think the combination of him tearing his ACL this year and the apparent character concerns that came out for him, you know, the last couple months. And I, he did have character concerns at Georgia as well. Um, pushed him down a lot of draft boards, but I mean, very good separate in the middle of the field, like really good pedigree, five-star wide receiver, went to a big time program produced as a freshman, you know, early breakout age, all that jazz, all the things that the, you know, the analytic community of fantasy football, like, he went to Pittsburgh, which has a pretty good receiver room already with Deontay Johnson. You know, Pat Frymuth is not a receiver, but I like Pat Frymuth as a receiving weapon. Najee Harris is a receiving weapon. And Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool has kind of butted heads, I feel like, with the coaching staff over the last years. And the fact that they made him announce this pick, to me, was a little ironic. Yeah, um, it was awkward. It was a little awkward. But if there's one coach and one team I trust to handle receivers that maybe have quote unquote character concerns, if he does, it'd be Mike Tomlin and the, uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cause somehow Antonio Brown's crazy was kept bottled up for like eight years there. And we didn't really know about it. Um, yeah. They've had other receivers kind of like that as well. It seems like. So I think the upside for George Pickens is a little bit less than Christian Watson, but I think the floor is also pretty good. And they just drafted a first-round quarterback in Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett, I think the knock on him for most people was the fact that he was slow in the pocket and um, slow processing. But he did a really good job of putting the ball in his receiver's hands. He was very accurate. So I, I could see George Pickens carving himself out of role this year. And if he happens to overtake Chase Claypool within a year or two, I think that he... um will be set up very good for fantasy success. And Deontay Johnson's contract is also coming up. We don't know what they want to do with him. We don't know if they want to pay him. So I think that the the team, like of all the teams that we've listed, probably, I think we both trust Pittsburgh as an organization 
the most, maybe, you know, Kansas City, Green Bay, and New Orleans would probably be like that next tier for me. But I love the Pittsburgh organization and what they do. So how do you feel about this pick at 111? I, I, I'm fine with it. I would have Dotson ahead um, by a tier break, just given the draft capital. and That's the, the big knock. Yeah, the big knock on it is draft capital. Yeah, that's a full round after. you know I think Pickens was taken at the 20th pick in the second round, whereas Dotson was the 16th pick in the first round. And Dotson has one receiver for competition, whereas Pickens has you know two plus Najee Harris, so kind of three. Um, you know, in Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and Najee Harris. So I, I do like the talent. I was hoping he would go to, you know, Kansas City instead of Sky Moore or maybe Green Bay. See, I think he would have been perfect for Green Bay. But for I think it would have been great in Green Bay. And that's, I mean, it's unfortunate. They probably didn't want to. I do think the character concerns, like, scared a lot of teams off. Yeah. Um, and that's why he fell so far. Yeah, I mean, can't can't trust kids from Georgia. <laughs> I, I guess not. Um, I just, I just. I no, just, but I, I think I it's a good pick. I, I like the talent, and I like your bet on the organizational stability to maximize that talent. So I'm, I'm with you. Um, well, I've alluded to this pick, given my considerations at 10, but at 12, I'm going to take Jahan Dotson. And, you know, if I'm in the last last pick of the round, I'm very happy if I get Jahan Dotson here. You know, he's he is a really good talent, and... Who knows with Washington, uh, maybe Carson Wentz does bring something out. You know, he has been able to support fantasy receivers in the past. Um, and that coaching staff, you know, they got a, a pretty good O-line. There's they, there's some hope there of what they can do. Scary Terry, there are some question marks as to what could happen with him, given that he's up for an extension. And we've seen that that is the most dangerous thing a receiver can be right now. because <laughs> um, Nobody wants to give them an extension to their original team. Um, so Terry, Terry McLaurin could be out. Um, there's just, other than that, there's not a lot of competition. Granted, it's a low, low upside offense. We don't, I don't expect them to produce a lot of passing numbers, but that being said, I like the talent draft capital is huge. You know, he goes mid first round at pick 16. And so I'm willing to bet on it. And especially if I'm at the end of the first round, you know, it's not like I'm using pick three on him. It's, it's a low risk. Uh, bet to make here. So, what what are your thoughts on Jahan Dotson at this point? I have no problem with Jahan Dotson at the one twelve. I think it's probably the right move. The only question I would have would be if someone really wants a running back. That's really the only thing. I think he is that last receiver in that second tier of receivers. So I like the pick a lot. Really good draft capital. Again, we can't. It's hard to bet on situations that aren't amazing out the gate because we just don't know a year or two removed what's going to happen. Like, look at this past draft cycle, or um, I guess NFL offseason cycle. Like, so many crazy moves happened that changed the landscape of the NFL. We just don't know what's going to happen. So I think that betting on the draft capital and talent of Jahan Dotson at the 112 is a good move. Yeah, absolutely. And that wraps up our first round. We're going to be doing two rounds, but let's just take a quick snapshot of the first round and discuss, you know, tiers tier breaks what picks we like what picks we don't and then we'll quickly go through the second round i know we got to speed this up given time but uh Brees hall goes one one kenneth walker goes one two drake london one three uh jameson williams one four Traylon burks one five chris olave one six garrett wilson one seven kenny pickett one eight sky moore one nine christian watson one ten george pickens one eleven and jahan dotson one twelve so 
just succinctly as you can, what are some areas of the draft that you want to be drafting in? And what are some areas of the draft where you think you should look to move either in or out of? I think that the 1-1 and 1-2 is probably too pricey to go trade up. And I don't, like, I love Brees Hall. Like, I think that he's going to do really good. However, I don't think he's a slam, slam dunk prospect as much as we think he is. You know, especially, you know, going to the Jets. Who knows what the Jets are going to do? I really like Brees Hall. But I I think that what teams are going to ask for to trade up is going to be too much. And same thing with the 1-2. Like, people are going to want their next pick in that tier of players. So I think that if you were going to try to pick in this draft, if you don't have a pick that's like pick three through eight, I think you should try to acquire some now before the draft happens. Um, That's probably the sweet spot for me of the picks. And then if you have like picks 9, 10, 11, 12, honestly past pick like maybe 10, if I could flip my pick 11 or 12 for a random 2023 first i would do that what are your thoughts on that yeah that's a good that's a good thought i hadn't thought about before um you know i think for this draft if i'm at one one unless i you know am a big Brees hall believer i probably am looking to move out of that pick same for one two um i would try and capitalize on that value and and get back move back to five six seven um, I, I think I mentioned this a few times here, the top seven picks for me are all similar in value. You know, they're not equal. I'm not saying, Hey, take Chris Olave one, one, but I'm saying if you can get Chris Olave at one, six, one, seven, and, and you can maybe get a 23 first by moving back from one, one and Brees Hall, I think you win that, you know, huge in terms of right. um, capitalizing and maximizing your team. So if I'm in the early first, I'm probably trying to move the worst to one seven one eight if you need a quarterback um, or you could use a quarterback because obviously you're not guaranteed to get Pickett at one eight so you know but if you're happy with Pickett you can move back to one eight I would not move back beyond one eight if I'm in that one five to one eight range I'm feeling really good I get a really good player and I don't have to you know use premium draft capital on them and then like you mentioned one nine through one twelve is where it gets a little dicey probably one ten through one twelve really because I do think Sky Moore is is a lot of uh, there's a lot of upside with that. If I'm 110 through 112, yeah, I mean, if you can trade it for a 23 first, especially from a team that doesn't have, you know, a lot of studs who, who probably won't, you know, do overly well next year, I'm all for that. If you can package a 111 with maybe your second round pick, like 211, and you can move up to 1817, I would 100% do that. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you don't want to overpay to move up, but with that big tier break, if you can catch someone who maybe hasn't done their draft prep, and you can get, get what they deem as a fair trade, but you know to be a trade that is in your favor because you know that tier break happens at seven. Uh, 100% try and do that, but we, we know moving in the draft can be hard sometimes. So It can be hard sometimes. Kind of not, not every draft and not every league is going to be the same, but I think that if you are a team that naturally earned the 1-1 and your team was not decimated by injuries, trading back is probably in the best interest of everyone. The 23 draft from all accounts are supposed to be loaded with talent, especially at the running back position and the quarterback position, which kind of pushes down the receiver position, like further down the draft. So like elite receiver prospects will go a little bit later. So overall should be a better draft class than this. God willing. So from everything I've heard, everyone's been talking about the 2023 draft class for years. Now it's widely known in the fantasy space that that's going to be, or is supposed to be a very, very good class. So if you want to trade, the one one for one of those top tier receivers in this draft and a 2023 first, I think that for a rebuilding team, that is an excellent move. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And something that we noticed with this class, you know, almost like rising tide lifts all ships. A heavy, a good quarterback class raises all ships. You know, you're looking at does, some yeah. of the best receivers from last class. You were able to get at 112 because there were five quarterbacks taken off the board exactly. between in the first round. You know, with this class, I think that there will be very, very, very few drafts where more than one quarterback goes in the first round. And so you end up having to almost not really reach on receivers because like we've talked about, they're the best prospects available, but you're getting receiver, you know, in our draft receiver nine at pick 12 uh, because there's just not a glut of quarterbacks and running backs in this class. So 23 class should be better. There's already some elite quarterback prospects in CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. There's always a few that'll pop up out of nowhere and some really good running backs. So I'm in a total agreement with you. 23 first, if you can get it, um, be it trading back from early first or trading away your late first would be a good move. So with that in mind, we got we to gotta speed this this draft up. Um, second round, you're on the clock, 2-1. What's your All right, this is, this is a spicy take. Uh-oh. Well, maybe not that spicy. Maybe not that spicy. I've seen, some, I've seen him go here before, so it's not extremely spicy, but maybe for you it'll be a little spicy. Uh-oh. I'm taking Damian Pierce here at the 2-1. Damn it! You were going to take it with the 2 <laughs> Oh, I really want him at the 2-2. Two, two. All right, uh, go ahead and talk shame. it through. That's a shame. All right, Damian Pierce is a is in the mold of a true three-down back. Went really, really early in the fourth round. It's not third round. It's not second round. Fourth round running backs do not hit as well. But his landing spot is wide open. There's almost zero target or competition for targets or for carries there i think you got two ancient running backs and you got a guy who tore his achilles who's recovering so i think that if he can find his way to the starting role at the 2-1 you'll have a very very good three down back in damian pierce very good in pass protection caught the ball out of florida and didn't have a lot of carries so he should be pretty fresh and that's the big knock on him so he's also built for the nfl i think at uh, I believe like 215, 225, somewhere in that range. Short, stout, you know, ran fast enough and uh, had very good durability at Florida. So if he went like round three, I think he'd probably be like pick 10, 11, 9, somewhere around there. But round four pushes him down here to like 2 1. Yeah, he's, I mean, like I said, I wanted him at 2 2. <laughs> Uh, he's 5'10", 215, and his only knock was the fact that Dan Mullen is a moron and didn't give him carries. That's it. He was one of the most efficient running backs. I yeah, think he had the yeah. second most broken tackles per carry. He was just really, really good. Like He had 19 receptions, which doesn't sound like a lot, but like we're saying, he wasn't on the field a lot. And when he was, he was amazing. And it just made no sense why he didn't get more, so he did end up slipping to the fourth round. And this reminds me a lot of Michael Carter, who, by the way, was an RB, I believe, uh, early RB3, late RB2 before they drafted Brees Hall when you looked at Dynasty rankings. So that was kind of a success story. A guy who was drafted fourth round, did well in college, very efficient runner. And now his fantasy well career is dead, so it's fine. You know? It's not It's it's not looking good. But it's needless to say, like fourth round capital can be bad, but can also be – like there are plenty. I mean, I think Aaron Jones was taken in the fifth round. There yep. are plenty of success stories from later round running backs, and I think he has a high likelihood to be one because he walks in as the most talented running back in that room. Yeah, I, absolutely. All right, is your pick at the 2-2? Two, two. All right, I'm going to go with a um, wide receiver who ends mm. up in a good situation oh, and he's able okay. to produce on an elite offense, and that's John Mechie. Um, you know, he doesn't have elite, elite talent, 
but what he does have is he's got good production and he's got good fundamentals and he goes into a wide receiver room with not a lot of competition and he could easily you know win win the alpha role he's 511 187 so he's on on the smaller side but nothing too small and i mean look if you put up 1100 yards at alabama you're probably really damn good you know so I think he is a plug-and-play pass catcher. I think he's got really good route-running skills, and he doesn't really have – he's not jack-of-all-trades, master of none. He's not bad at anything, but he's not amazing at anything. It seems like his ACL recovery is going well. He should be ready for camp. So um, I'm going to go with Mechie here in Houston, who I think has a lot of upside to be the alpha in that offense. Yeah, I think um, I think Mechie got really good draft capital in the second round. To me, Mechie is kind of this is a harsh term. I don't think it's like I don't mean it in a harsh way. To me, Mechie is a jag, just a guy. I don't think he's gonna be someone who is gonna break out or has a lot of star potential. But I do think he could be a solid contributor for fantasy. You know, whether that be like a solid wide receiver three. But like you said, the 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 targets in Houston, aside from Brandon Cooks. You know, it's wide open. No one's really taken that uh, second spot. It could be John Mechie. It could be Nico Collins. It could be someone else. Like, we don't really know what's going to be. So, Davis Mills played good enough last year that I would I would like to see how John Mechie does in that offense. So, I think that's a good pick at 2-2. Two, two. Thank you. Thank you. All right. 2-3. This is really tough. I have three players who I'm thinking about here. And... If I look at my rankings, I don't I don't like it now that I look at it. I, I kind of <laughs> want to change it like mid mid spot. Ugh. Uh, but all right, this this feels wrong, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Uh, I guess based on personal preference, I'm gonna take David Bell here at the two three. So David, David Bell, Bell was kind of an analytical darling um, in the first couple of years of his career out of Purdue, uh, early breakout age, you know dominated big 10 you know got caught a bunch of balls i think the problem was that as he started to get further on in his career we kind of realized that he wasn't very athletic in terms of the nfl as a person probably extremely athletic you know very you know all that jazz but in terms of nfl competition at the wide receiver you know doesn't have a lot of athletic upside seems like a very smart savvy um you know, good route runner, you know, finds spots in the zone, like got open a bunch, got force fed targets at Purdue and broke out early. So the fact that he got third round draft capital in Cleveland, where aside from Amari Cooper, the second spot is still technically up for grabs. I would believe, I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones played well last year, but we don't know what else is going to happen in that receiver room. The fact that Deshaun Watson is the quarterback there means our offense will probably be pretty good, even though, you know, as a person, not a huge fan of Deshaun Watson, but we're going to find out what happens there. I think the fact that he's tied to that offense and he produced at an elite level in college and he got third on draft capital to me, I'm willing to take the shot here at two, three to see if he's maybe able to sneak into one of those guys who's like not extremely athletic, but somehow produces in fantasy. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely worth the shot, um, especially with the target. He seems like a very clear Jarvis Landry replacement now that Jarvis Landry has left Cleveland. And, you know, if you can get Jarvis Landry production at 2-3 in a rookie draft, you're, you're doing all right. You're Probably doing good. all right. <laughs> all right, I'm going to take a running back here. Haven't been a lot of running backs off the board. I'm going to take Rashad White, uh, running mm. back for... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, his draft capital was pretty good. He goes in the end of the third round, so nothing crazy, but still a day two running back. Um, he's a little bit older. He's, he's 23 years old, but 
He's got really good size. He's 6'2", 210. His stats at Arizona State, I mean, he put up 1,000 yards rushing. He had 43 receptions. If if there was a guy in this class that had sneaky, you know, bell cow upside, it was Rashad White. And I think, you know, he slipped because he's not the elite athleticism that you would hope. He's a little bit smaller. So, like I mentioned, well, he's tall, 6'2", so he's got good height. It, it, 210 is a little slender, so he'll want to beef up a little bit at the NFL level, but uh, he does have really good athleticism. He ran a 4.48 40 time, which for a running back is pretty good. Like I mentioned, 43 receptions, so he's got the upside to be a pass-catching back, and he goes into an offense in Tampa where they just lost um, Rondell Jones, and you know, if Leonard Fournette goes down, he can walk into that three-down role, and if Leonard Fournette's there, you know, Leonard Fournette's getting older. Uh, it could easily see when Leonard Fournette runs out his, his new contract that um, Rashad White, Rashad White takes over that backfield. Which, when, again, when you're picking at two four, you gotta, you gotta understand you're not gonna get a stud running back uh, day one. So I think that he's got the upside as a handcuff for Leonard Fournette, while also I'm sure he'll get involved in the passing game in the passing down work early. So I, I like the uh, I like Rashad White here at the two four. Yeah, definitely think it's a good process. He got decent draft capital, and he's going to an offense that'll have Tom Brady for at least another year, maybe five more years. Who knows at this point? So think it's think it's at this point in the draft. You know, I think anything goes right. Like, I think that Rashad White is is as lucky to hit as the next seven guys on this list. So <laughs> I think it's I think it's a good pick. Yeah, absolutely. All right, One, two five. Who you got? All right, this is you might not like this pick, and some people definitely won't like this pick. We're out in the fantasy space, but I'm going to take Isaiah Spiller here at two five. Okay, talk me through this one. So he is the. I think that when they took him in the fourth round, and I think he went pretty early in the fourth round, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Let me look it up actually real quick. So I'm not talking pick out of my 18, butt. Eighteen, so not. Yeah, midway, midway through the fourth okay. round. That's. I'll be generous. Midway through the fourth round, I think that the Los Angeles Chargers were looking for that that one two punch again with austin eckler i don't think they want to ride him every single down as you know the goal line back or give him every single carry i think they proved that last year when they when they tried to give justin jackson jackson some work i think he got hurt so the fact they invested in isaiah spiller here at at um in the fourth round i think that he's probably going to walk into that running back two role and i think that you know he's probably to me one of the best quote unquote handcuffs that come out of this draft. Like if anything happens to Austin Eckler, if his contract comes up, I think there's a possibility that Isaiah Spiller based on the fact that a early breakout age B played in an extremely good conference with the SEC and succeeded. I think that it's very possible that Isaiah Spiller walks into potential like RB three numbers, maybe fringe RB two, um, I think that Los Angeles will probably move and Los Angeles is an extremely high powered offense. You know, Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, we trust that offense a lot. I think that he will have the, the possibility to at least see the field in his rookie year as that second running back in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's definitely been some, some talk that Los Angeles is trying to reestablish the um, Melvin Gordon role. And I think this pick signifies that. So if he can get on the field in that role, I mean, especially with, with the O-line improvements they've been making, I think that's a really valuable pick. So I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I don't dislike the pick at all. I'm surprised you thought oh, I would. Oh, wow, wow. Well, I, <laughs> I thought you would pick maybe someone else here. But you never know. 
I probably would have picked someone else, but I still like the pick. I mean, it's the second round. It's a yeah, yeah, yeah. giant glob of all similar dart throws. So I'm going to go ahead and get started on my pick at the 2-6. I'm going to take a guy that I was fairly high on in the pre-draft process, and he, he ends up in Dallas, and that is wide receiver Jalen Tolbert. Wow, if, okay. If there was an antithesis to the Christian Watson, it would be Jalen Tolbert. He's out of South Alabama. He had a 51.2% college dominator rating, which just means that he had 51% of his college production, his, his receiving work out of um, out of school, which, you know, he went to a small school. He went to South Alabama. But when you look at Christian Watson at North Dakota State, like Christian Watson had a dominator score of um, – of 44%, so a little bit less. They're a run-heavy scheme, so he only had, I think, 800 yards, whereas Jalen Tolbert had, you know, a much much more, like, proficient offense. Um, and so he did really well in college. He goes to the Cowboys. He has a lot of opportunity for, um, for Jalen Tolbert there. They, you know, Mari Cooper got traded. Cedric Wilson signed elsewhere. I believe he signed in Miami. So there's a big opportunity for him to step in and be that three right away. Um, yeah, I just sorry, I just looked it up. Uh, he had 1,400 yards receiving his his final year, which I don't know if you know if you can do that quick math. That's a little bit more. That's than a lot of yards. Just just to, <laughs> just to clarify, if no one wants to break it down into like this many yards per game, that's a lot. It's a lot of yards. It's a college so, season. It's shorter than the NFL. <laughs> Almost double the yardage of Christian Watson. So I like the guy. I like the production he was able to show at South Alabama. I like the landing spot in Dallas. He can step in as the three on day one, and potentially overtake. Um, and we all know Michael two. Gallup does not have the best track record of health. So exactly, not the best track record of health. So I I really like both the player and the landing spot. And I think at two six, that's a great dart throw to have. Yeah, I have no problem with the pick. Like we've mentioned several times already in this draft, round two to me is probably a crapshoot this year. I think outside of like maybe Damian Pierce, who I think a lot of people are starting to come around on at the top of the second, maybe even the 112 if you're feeling extra spicy that day. For the rest of it, I think it's going to be like, who, just pick your guy, right? Just whoever yep. you think is going to, you know, have, if you want to go for upside, you want to go floor, just get your guy in the second round, you know, inform yourself on ADP and just see where people are going. Um, yep. But with that being said, the wide receiver there on Dallas is not a bad pick at all, especially if he has the potential to be wide receiver too, because both of their guys have a history of getting injured. All right, pick two seven. I am torn. I am torn. I am torn. Don't be torn. I'm gonna. All right, I'll take the guy with the draft capital, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the player. I'll take James Cook at the two seven. Really good offense again with the Bills. He projects to be a pass catcher. They wanted to sign uh, J.D. McKissick, right? J.D. McKissick. Yes. They wanted to sign Jaden McKissick out of Washington. The deal was, like, reported to be done almost, I think. And all of a sudden, he turned around and went back to Washington, making all Antonio Gibson uh, owners cry forever. Um, so they clearly wanted to fill that kind of Jaden McKissick-type role in Buffalo, and they were not a fan of it when it came to Devil Singletary and um, Zach Moss. They basically they, they caught some passes last year, and as soon as they caught him, they basically like got tackled immediately, you know, had no after the catch ability. So I think they're probably looking for that more explosive third down back. The problem with James cook is that he never had a game in college where he carried the ball more than 12 times. And he comes out as a senior, never having really broken out in that Georgia offense. Really what you're banking on here is that Buffalo will 
buck trends maybe you want to keep josh allen safe and pass to the running back more um and james cook if he can do one thing he can catch the ball in the backfield he is very very good at doing that and he got very good draft capital for a running back most the hit rates for second round running backs are very very good so if they can find a way to make a role for james cook in this offense i could see this being a good pick but i could also see it being a very mediocre pick in the fact that you know what buffalo does not typically pass for the running backs very often they have a massive quarterback who can run the ball very fast so they usually just let him do his thing or he'll improvising and scramble for some yards however if they want to protect him and maybe find a way to use this second round pick they had i think that there could be some value here yeah, he's definitely the best pass catching running back of this class. And I think this pick screams not not this fantasy pick, but the pick by Buffalo. It screams a, you know, a football decision, not a fantasy decision, which yeah. is their football team, which makes sense. But you know, when you're when you're drafted at the end of the second round and you're a contender, you're trying to patch holes and that was a big hole on their offense. You know, I think they have um Devin Singletary, who's not a great pass catcher. Uh, he is small, so I did expect them to, if they were going to go running back, to go a little bit bigger, like Brian Robinson type of running back, someone to fill in as that red zone. But I guess you already have Josh Allen as your red zone running back, so they Pretty decided much, yeah. to patch the third down back hole on their roster. So I liked the pick from a football perspective, from, but like you said, there's not a whole lot of upside from a fantasy perspective because he's very small. He doesn't. Yeah, he's he's like three down back. I I forget exactly how much he weighs, but it's under two hundred pounds, yeah. and usually that's not a good sign when it comes to fantasy running backs. Yeah, this pick is just baking on the offense and the draft capital. That's basically all it is, and it's possible that he carves out like a solid role, um, but it it honestly could not be anything substantial. Could just be a football related pick, like you mentioned. But I do think the fact that he had the draft capital goes to a good team. I think it's probably worth a mid-second round pick for most players or for most fantasy players. Yeah, definitely. My pick here at the 2-8 is going to be someone that I wouldn't have picked until about six hours ago. Oh, okay. I know who this is. I think is. you know where I'm going with that. And that's going to be Tyler Algier. Oh, right I had a different back. player in mind, actually. <laughs> oh, well, I'll be curious to hear that is. That's uh, going to be this guy coming up after you. So, yeah, talk me right. through Tyler Algier, who Tyler I think most players Algier. are familiar with a little bit. Running back out of BYU had just insane production in college. I think he was the third highest rusher, and he was D1. So, um, you know, very impressive college numbers. But what happened six hours ago that changed my mind on him, because he didn't really test super well, was the fact that Atlanta drafts him, and I believe they drafted him pretty late. He was drafted in the fifth round. So not great draft capital, but again, we've seen success stories from that late. Very, very rarely, but it's happened. (laughs) Right, but it happens. And then they turn around and they, they cut Mike Davis. So right. there is no competition here. I mean, obviously, Cordero Patterson, who is a kind of gadget player, he has a lot of uh, rushes, but they also is involved in the passing attack, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Tyler Algier gets drafted by Atlanta. He rushed for 1,600 yards last year, and he had 28 catches to boot. So he, he's got that, like, sneaky upside where – I, I could see any type of scenario, you know, that fifth round pick. I could see he is just a rotation back and he never really catches on. I can honestly see him being offensive rookie of the year. I can see it because there's opportunity there. And he showed in college that he can produce. I'm I not saying that's I likely at all. I wouldn't bet on it. I'm not yes. saying that's likely at all. If I'm just saying if if I'm doing, about two eight. If we're doing the, the Doctor Strange, you know, 100 or 
14 million worlds that I visit to see which reality. There are probably a couple where he wins Rookie of the Year, yes. Right, but you know, like James Cook, while that's a higher floor, probably not gonna win I don't Rookie think of the he's year got ever. that. Exactly. Algier, yeah. he's, I mean, he, he walks in and uh, he's got an older, injury-prone Patterson, and that's basically Very, very it. old. Somehow a magical unicorn of a man who is still producing, breaking all fantasy analyst minds with his 31 year old you know top 12 running back season is i don't know yeah and you know algier comes in like i mentioned he has 1800 yards from scrimmage and 23 touchdowns so extremely good he's a big guy too he's 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 built very well you know has pretty good speed score so the fact that he runs i think he ran probably like a for a late four five or early four six but the fact he's really i think he's really heavy i think he's like somewhere in the 230s if I remember correctly, so uh, big, he's listed here at two twenty, but yeah, he's man, big, he looks bigger. Big than enough. He big looks enough. bigger than that. He's a he's a big back, so I I think it's probably worth a shot here at two eight. So the fact that that running back field is our backfield is wide open, you know, I think it's uh I have no complaints about Tyler Algier at the two eight. All right, two nine. What were you thinking? I meant <laughs> this is a this is a player who I wouldn't have drafted here before. Uh, I guess it was Saturday. No, Friday. It was Friday because the first round was on Thursday. Uh, and that would be the the running back guru known as Kyle Shanahan taking Tyrion Davis Price here in the third round. I This guy was not considered a top two or two round pick in any mocks I'd seen before the NFL draft happened. I actually got to watch a couple of those games because we're Florida fans. We watch a lot of the SEC games for the most part. And he's one of the only LSU players that did pop off the screen to me when they did play. LSU was kind of a dumpster fire the last couple of years after they won the Natty and all their players left and everyone got hurt and they fired their coach. That's a whole other story. But he was one of the only bright spots on that offense. You know, he's a pretty big back. He's built well. And he got drafted in the third round uh, to... A guy who likes to use a lot of running backs and his running backs seem to always get hurt or he doesn't like this guy one week. He likes this guy the next week. So I don't know, man. Trey Sermon being drafted in the third round and not being used and then Elijah Mitchell being drafted in the sixth round and being the feature back has got me all mixed up. And then he takes this running back in the third round. I don't know what's going on anymore, but I want to put in my lottery ticket to see if I can get the starting running back in San Francisco. Sure. I get the I get Get the upside, San Francisco. You might as well take a shot. So I'm with you. Um, it's a lottery. I, I mean, like again, ticket. it's it's massive upside, and at the two nine, there's not one else that I'm in love with here. So yeah, that makes sense. I'm gonna go with the polar opposite of that. A guy who oh. would have gone at the one oh. one maybe one two a May week ago, argue, and now. Arguably. Now he is at the 210 and maybe even later. And maybe that's even later. Willis. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to stop stop the slide a little bit. You know, we're in the late second. He did eventually get At least drafted. he went in the second and one of these drafts. True. I mean, he, he goes in the third round of the NFL draft. He goes to Tennessee. Tennessee has an out in Ryan Tannehill's contract after this year. He's getting a lot of money. And the nice thing about a quarterback being drafted in the third round is there's no organizational pressure. Um, so if he goes in the first round, there's that pressure and expectation that he's going to play. There's no expectation that a third round quarterback plays. So that's why he slides all the way to the late second and even later in probably some drafts. But 
what is just so enticing, especially if you're a team that is in the later end of the second round and you probably have a pretty solid team. You know, I'm looking at some of the players available, and none of them are really going to contribute this year, not significantly, I don't think. So I might as well take a guy where if he hits, man, the sky is the limit. If he does really, really well and say he lights up preseason, he's not going to play this season in terms of starting unless Tannehill gets hurt. But, um, you know, say he lights up preseason and he's killing it in, in, in practice. Maybe they do pretty well this year, and this is why I take him over Ritter because I think Atlanta will have a top five pick. I don't think Tennessee is going to be bad, so I don't think they're going to be in a position to upgrade the quarterback next offseason. Um, they're probably not going to have the draft capital to do that. And so they're going to be looking at, you know, paying Ryan Tannehill $30 million or, you know, cutting him, saving all of that money because, he, again, he's gotten out in his contract after this year. And taking a look at a guy who was, in some mocks, though I didn't agree with it, projected to go number two overall. You know, I, again, don't agree with that. But a guy who had first-round talent. You know, he really did. He had late late first round. He had first-round tools. First round he had first-round tools. Right, yeah, tools, talent, yeah. Traits. We'll call it that, traits. Big arm, rushing upside, and like I said, the likelihood of it hitting, maybe not so much, but if it hits, you could have a top 10 quarterback on your hands, and you got him at 210. So that's yeah. just too enticing for me to pass up here for, for any of the guys that are available. This is the the Jalen Hurts argument, right? Jalen Hurts went in the second round of most rookie drafts in the year he was drafted. The quarterback in front of him either got hurt or they traded him. They plug in Jalen Hurts and they aren't comfortable with replacing him with this year's crop of rookies or they, you know, didn't want to do it with last year's crop of rookies because they didn't have a good enough pick to do it. So like, and then if Jalen Hurts sticks around and they upgraded his weapons, like, you know, maybe he'll get an extension. Who knows? The same if that's the argument from Malik Willis here. Like, if if things fall in line where he gets a shot and he plays good enough to stick around, like maybe he gets better at the position. He's got elite tools. Like the upside here is immense. It's just the problem that he's a third round pick, and those rarely break out as quarterbacks. I think that it's a good pick here at two ten. I honestly don't think I would probably take him any earlier than that honestly i think that yeah. if people are taking malik willis from like the 2-1 to 2-4 range you're most likely throwing away a rookie pick just like throwing it in the trash but i yeah i, I definitely there are some guys i would take ahead of him. i think if you're in the middle of the second and you really like him it's worth it it's worth sure yeah. I mean, they're all dart i mean throws, there's, yeah, there's I all they're all dart throws at this point so like i totally i totally understand the process and i think it's good process taking malik willis here and i i probably would take him around here as well so i think it's a good pick stop the slide stop the slide all right where are you going here all right this is a guy who I think this is probably around where he'll probably go in most drafts and where I would take him. I think you can make a lot of arguments for guys here at the 211 to like 3-2 range. I think that you can make a lot of arguments for like Juan Dale, for Desmond Ritter, for Alec Pierce, Brian Robinson, Matt Corral. Um, I think those are probably the next tier of guys. I'm actually going to take my top tight end off the board, and that's Trey McBride. Trey McBride went and got second-round draft capital as a tight end, which is pretty good. You know, he was a top-ranked tight end on a lot of people's boards. The only problem is that Zach Ertz is in that offense and even though Zach Ertz is a little bit old they did extend him I don't know how much guaranteed money is in each year of his contract it's possible maybe they can move on after this year who knows tight ends usually take a couple years to break out anyways so if I want to bet on a tight end I'm going to bet on one with good draft capital and good athleticism going to an offense that is above average with a pretty good quarterback 
So especially in super flat or um, tight end premium leagues, I would definitely be thinking about the best tight end the board of the back half of the second here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a solid pick. This seems about the range that he would go. Um, and so I, I, I like the upside of a either tight end premium league or even just non tight end premium league. You know, Zach Ertz is aging, dealt with injury issues before, and that's going to be a high pass volume offense. So I'm, I'm totally with you. All right, I'm going to round this draft out with a guy. The I final pick. The final pick. I do not recommend you taking him here, but because oh. we're doing. Well, I just want to preface this. Because we're doing a two-round walk, I just want to throw him in here because I want to walk out of every draft I'm in with this guy. Okay. So This uh, is your quarterback one, personally? My quarterback? No, not oh, him. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, though he's speaking to... Um, you're talking about Cincinnati quarterback, right? Um, yeah, Desmond, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. I totally blanked on the name there for a hey, second. you did. So it's okay. <laughs> Um, no, but I do like Desmond Ritter. Although, like I mentioned, Atlanta, I think is going to be really bad. And I think they're going to draft a quarterback next year. Whereas Tennessee, Pittsburgh, um, probably mm. not. So those are a little bit more safe landing spots. Sure. But yeah. What I'm talking about is an undrafted guy. Oh. Someone who shouldn't have been undrafted, but had concerns based on a hereditary injury. Not really injury, just hereditary condition. That's Justin Ross. Uh, Justin Ross, wide receiver out of Clemson. People expected him. So a year ago, he would have gone in the first round of this draft. Absolutely. I, I, I think I if Justin Ross, if, if you had freshman season Justin Ross, you are talking about possibly the wide receiver one in this class. And that is not Absolutely. an understatement. You can ask any yeah. fantasy analyst that, and they'll tell you the same thing. I mean, he he way outproduced T. Higgins. He was just lighting it up at Clemson. He was basically the reason they won the national championship a few years a lar- ago. A large reason, yes. Trevor but Lawrence yes. would have something to say about that. Uh, yes. Lawrence, Lawrence was just putting it in his bread basket. Okay. That's all, all right. he needed. All right. Wide let's open. Ta- let's take it easy. I mean, yeah, he had an 18.7-year-old breakout age. So at 18 years old, he was trashing Alabama's number he one was defense kill- in the country. killing teams. And on top of that, you know, ideal size, weight, you know, great speed, great route running for a college receiver, like excellent hands, good high pointer, like everything you want in a receiver, high, high profile offense on a good team in a power five conference against good competition, like everything you can want. And even after he was hurt, right? Even after he was hurt, he still led the team whenever he came back in yards, yards after the catch, receptions, everything. That's without Trevor Lawrence too. Yeah, he was a monster in college. And um, for those who don't know, his freshman year, like I mentioned, when he was 18 years old, he's a wee babe. He had 1,000 yards receiving. It was just crazy. Uh, he did have an injury his sophomore year, and that's when, unrelated to the injury, or I think it was his junior year, unrelated to the injury, they discovered uh, a spine issue that he had. And um, essentially, he had to have spinal surgery as well as a few uh minor touch-ups after that he had a, a couple injury concerns a fraction of his foot was another thing that caused him to miss time but essentially he's a top 10 talent top five talent who is dealt with injury concerns and the reason he didn't get drafted was because of that spine condition yeah. i'm no doctor so i'm not going to talk about yeah, it not, length. All not, no is, doctors here no doctors here. <laughs> all i know is is he has a clean bill of health right now and from what us non-doctors know he's ready to play football. He goes, he gets signed by the Kansas City Chiefs, best passing offense in football, and he's going to get a shot. 
And Undrafted guys have made it. I think that there's a huge... Like, the upside of Justin Ross is unlike any 5th, 6th, 7th rounder or undrafted I think I've ever seen. That is correct. And I the problem that I have with him in the second round, and I don't think you would actually take him in the second round if this was like yeah, a normal... Yeah, that's what I meant. Yep. Right. And I don't think people should consider him in the second round is that, like, that upside is massive. And if he was even drafted in, like, the 5th round, right? Like... Or even the sixth round, like I would be like all in in the mid back half of the second for Justin Ross, just because like that dart throw would be like the chef's kiss of dart throws. Like if you hit on that, like that guy was an insane prospect. The problem is, is that with an undrafted free agent, like teams can cut bait at any moment. We have no idea. And the fact that all 32 teams in the NFL passed on him for the entire draft to me, like I would be willing to take a shot on him in the, if I'm really desperate, early mid early mid third, right? Probably late third, early fourth if it's me. But like again, it's the ultimate dart throw of dart throws. And he went to an ideal spot for a undrafted free agent. Undrafted free agent free agents have made it before. But the fact like I'm not a doctor and the medical concerns from what I've heard shouldn't be a problem. But, like, I'm wondering if the NFL maybe heard something different because I don't know why they would pass on him so many times otherwise. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where there's a reason he went undrafted. But supposedly he finished his college season after the spine surgery. You know, he didn't light it up his last um, last year, but there were some injury concerns. And also Clemson's offense was just awful. Not, but, not uh, good. You know, there are some concerns about that back surgery that is something that people haven't played through yet. But, you know. Uh, people used to get a torn Achilles and their career was over. And now people come back from that in six months and look like explosive. Yeah. Again. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought him up here at the two twelve. If this was like a three or four on mock, who would you actually take at the two twelve? just for fun? Sure. Um, so if we were doing, if this was the two twelve, and I, I didn't want to just bring him up just to talk about, I would take um, Alec Pierce wide receiver from Cincinnati. I really like the talent, you know, the white uh, Mamba. The white mamba. He ends up in in Indianapolis, which I think is a very good landing spot. You know, they have some receiving talent there, but I think there's a lot of targets available. Matt Ryan stepped into that offense and can really provide stability, and I think that it would be a very high volume offense. And so at Cincinnati, he was a deep ball guy. Um, he's very fast. He's tall, six three. He's a tall fast um deep ball threat and i think matt ryan will thrive with that you know i don't think he's gonna be the wide receiver one in that offense and i i don't think he's gonna you know be a thousand yard receiver or anything but i do think he's got some sneaky upside in a very good passing offense uh so i I, that's a good question to bring that up he he would be my pick here all right and that rounds up our two round mock let's go over the second round again just for fun all right Damian Pierce, 2-1. John Mechie, 2-2. David Bell, 2-3. Rashad White, 2-4. Isaiah Spiller, 2-5. Jalen Tolbert, 2-6. James Cook, 2-7. Tyler Algier, 2-8. Tyrion, like Lannister. Tyrion Davis-Price, 2-9. Malik Willis, 2-10. Trey McBride, 2-11. And... Uh... Uh... Player of choice at 212 or Alec Pierce 212. <laughs> whoever whoever you want at 212. We'll call it Alec Pierce with just Alec Pierce 212. 
Justin Ross is a player that if he goes undrafted in your league, absolutely like smash the, you know, with your last pick, if you have a four round, four round uh, rookie draft, like that's definitely one of those players I'll be smashing on every time if he's there. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I'm going to beat you to him in our draft. Oh, is that so? (laughs) Oh, man. Well, this has been really fun. Um, I'm glad we did this. It's cool to see the players lay out in a draft. It is. It's honestly encouraged me a little bit. In the late second, you're still able to get some really good talent. Uh, I think it's going to be a good good year for rookie drafts. I think it'll be fun. It definitely will be. Definitely looking forward to the actual drafts. Again, I'm getting that itch. Can't wait. I'm already in trade talks with people, and then they're not responding to me. You know, it's fine. (laughs) I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're going to be all right. It's going to be all right. But we're going to definitely talk more about all these rookies in the next couple of weeks. Jack, what do we got on the rocket docket? Yeah, next week we're going to be discussing some of the stock up, stock down. And that's going to be as it relates to non-rookies uh, out of the draft. You know, be it running backs whose stock is up because of offensive line improvements or wide receivers whose stock is down because of competition. We'll go through all of that next week as we look at players who were affected by the draft most. Mm, stuck so up, stuck down. Going on. It's going to be a fun time. Can't, well, as can't. always, Cam, it's been a pleasure. And it thank al- you all for it listening. It always is, sir. It always is. And we will talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for listening and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.